great to be here tonight. You're pathetic. You're all pathetic. Sorry, that's just how the uh, monkeyers say hello. Say hello. Okay, hello, and welcome to Undecided Podcast, the Canadian politics podcast without the bullshit. My name is Tara Mahoney. And I'm here with a very extra special, dare I say, my favorite guest co-host of all time. Um, it's Taylor Scollin. Hello. Hi, Taylor. Hello. <laughs> it's weird to say your name like that. <laughs> um, yeah, you don't usually say my last name. No. Or even your full name. Yeah. Um, Taylor is the co-founder of a media group called North 99, um, which is a progressive media company. Uh, check them out. Uh, North99.org. Yep. Um, follow their Instagram memes. They're great. Mm-hmm. Um, totally biased because I happen to sit on the very important board of directors mm-hmm. for this co- this company. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, Taylor is my partner of the last six years. Yep. So we're coming to you live from uh, beside our bed, <laughs> in between the closet and the bed, um, doing this like high budget, high key, uh, <laughs> expensive. Okay, I'm going to... <laughs> that's enough that's enough okay um Are you so keep that in n- uh yeah i think I'll, i will keep that in. i'll keep it all in unless okay. it's something that's like really cringy no edits. then i'll leave it yeah no edits okay because i want to get it out as fast as possible that's no, good to know uh i've been putting out one podcast a day right now yeah, so i been feel like a kind little, of an assembly line i'm an i'm a podcast assembly line that's right um so it seems weird and formal to say thank you for joining me. But well, I was here anyway. So, <laughs> um, so I want to talk about, uh, first of all, uh, for those of you that don't know, Election Day is the 21st of October, which is on Monday. Um, <clears throat> if you bring a piece of mail and a piece of photo ID to uh, your polling station, um, you can vote. Uh you can find out what kind of pieces of photo ID, uh, anything that's government issued or what kind of pieces of mail. Um, if you have any questions, elections.ca has like literally everything. And also you can find your polling station there by putting in your postal code. Please go out to vote. But I assume if you're listening to this podcast, that's what you're doing. Um, th- uh, Taylor, what is like m- anything like that notable that happened this week or like highlights from the campaign for you? Well, I it's been kind of a depressing campaign. I don't think it's been a great campaign. Mm. Um, not a lot of inspiration, uh, you know, in the traditional sense. But this week, I guess, kind of the two big things we've seen are the New Democrats moving up to 18 to 20 points, um, which puts them in seat ranges probably from 30 to 40. Mm. Um, well, that's interesting. I, I've never been able to tie percentages to seat ranges. Well, I'm. I don't. That that's just. That's you know, your expert opinion. A, a projection. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not my. You gotta look at the the seat <laughs> aggregators and you kind of average them all out. You gotta look at the numbers. Yeah. So there's yeah. lots of people who do that. Who I don't know. I have some expertise, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the block, 
uh, is now in some polls in first place in Quebec, in other polls tied for first place with the Liberals in Quebec, uh, which means that they're going to win a whole whack of seats. Um, which is crazy. Like, they didn't yeah. win anything last election. Yeah, I barely. think there's around 10, they're around 10, maybe 12 seats that they have right now. Really? So looking at maybe quadrupling that. <laughs> quadrupling that seat count. Um, and the implications there are that, you know, we're probably looking at a minority government um, and unclear at this point whether the liberals or the conservatives will win the most seats. Mm-hmm. So there's the possibility that the conservatives win the most seats, but the liberals end up forming government with the support of the New Democrats. Also, the possibility that the liberals and the NDP and the Greens together won't have enough seats to form a majority in parliament. So you could have some other weird configuration. The bloc leader today was talking about how he is not going to support any government that wants to get rid of the carbon tax. Hmm. Which, which would puts him preclude uh, Andrew Shear's conservatives because that's his kind of his you know bread and butter is abolishing mm-hmm. the carbon tax. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of a what was a um, pretty boring, steady election has turned into something that's pretty chaotic in the past five, ten days. Mm-hmm. Would you, from your perspective, is it like chaotic in a good way or? Uh, like chaotic in like a turbulent way or like a bit of both? Well, so I think the rise of the block is probably chaotic in a bad way because mm. um, that opens up a whole can of worms around separatism and uh, nationalism in Quebec that I think is, you know, as someone who would prefer the country stay together, obviously that's troubling for me. But I also think it saps a lot of energy out of the... Um, out of progressive forces if that sort of political uh, energy is directed towards nationalism. Mm -hmm. So I think that's problematic. I mean, as a progressive, I would like to see a a government that is going to pursue the most progressive Mm -hmm. priorities. Um, So I think a, a combination of liberals and New Democrats... Uh, would not be such a terrible outcome. Mm. And can we talk for a moment about uh, like a coalition versus like a formal coalition? Mm-hmm. Because I heard on uh, like another politics podcast I listened to the other day that like it's like there's um there's like the difference between like the NDP supporting the liberals by like not by like allowing them to. Or like not by by not passing like a conservative budget or something like that, mm-hmm. and then uh, between that and then like the NDP and the Liberals like formally f- forming a coalition that is like that has NDP ministers and like stuff like that. Um, we haven't seen a coalition government in this country since. Um, I actually don't remember the prime minister's name. I think it was Borden. Borden, yeah. In World, <laughs> I World was, War One. I. I wanted to say Biden, and I was like, it's yeah. not. It's not. It's almost there, but it's not that. Prime Minister Biden. <laughs> Ooh, <I> just got <laughs> chills. <laughs> um. So can we? Can you just talk? Uh, speak to that a little bit, just because, um, like, 
from a historical perspective, like a formal formal coalition seems like really unlikely uh, or um, or is really unlikely or has been really unlikely. But like in 2006, I think, or 2004, the NDP like supported the liberals in not supporting the, the conservatives. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Well, so there's a couple different possibilities. So okay. there's a um, an informal coalition or uh, what I think they call a supply and confidence arrangement. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. So, <laughs> um, That's what we have. Which is... <laughs> so the... <laughs> so in, in that scenario, the... Uh, whoever has the, you know, forms the, has the plurality of seats, I guess, or whoever is, is the government, there's some question over whether it would be some, the person with the most seats or not. Mm-hmm. Basically, um, they pass their legislation on a item by item basis with the support of other parties. Mm-hmm. So from 2004 to 2006, that's what the liberal government did under Paul Martin, mm-hmm. um, from 2006 to 2011, that's what Stephen Harper did. Mm-hmm. Uh, With the support of the liberals, like us Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, because they didn't want to go into an election. There's a whole bunch of factors that go into it. Uh-huh. Um, and in a formal coalition, they, you know, parties with sufficient seats to form a majority of the parliament will enter into some sort of formal arrangement where they agree on a policy agenda mm-hmm. and uh, opposition parties who are now part of the coalition mm-hmm. will take uh, ministries. So you, you know, in a liberal NDP coalition, you could have a, an NDP member of parliament as the minister of environment. Right. Uh, I think this discussion is like kind of relevant because it looks like these, either one of these coalitions like becomes more and more possible every day as the NDP like, surge in the polls um uh to me ostensibly the second coalition you were talking about the formal coalition seems like it's more possible for like more of a ndp agenda to be um like produced um with like within a coalition a formal coalition government is that correct because like they were, they'll be at the table, like the ostensible caucus table, uh, like with the the liberals. Um, yeah, it's likely that they would get more of what they want mm-hmm. through that sort of arrangement. But it depends on a whole bunch of factors. Um, you know, like what is the willingness of all the parties to have another election? Because mm-hmm. you have to be willing to pull the plug on the government if you're going to have any leverage over them. And there's questions as to whether the NDP are in a position to do that, given that they don't really have any money. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe they are. I don't mm-hmm. know. And, you know, how willing are the liberals to mm-hmm. pass a NDP agenda? Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of factors that would go into that. Right. So I think that bleeds nicely into uh, a brief um, nod to the strategic voting stuff that everybody keeps talking about. Um, it's basically like all of the news articles now, <laughs> um, which... I don't know. I kind of find it like a little bit depressing just because I feel like stuff like strategic voting like really makes a barrier to like a lot of people um, voting at all, but also like just making a decision like people, you know, it's so hard just to like 
get like a good kind of overview of all the party platforms and like make an informed voting decision, um, let alone, you know, be like, okay, what is like the percentage of like likelihood that Justin Trudeau will be able to form government? And like, do I have to vote for him to make sure that Andrew Scheer doesn't get into power? Um, what's your stance on strategic voting? Yeah, you're right about that. I think like it's a lot to expect people to, you know, look at all of the poll aggregators and the daily tracking polls and try to figure out, okay, you know, I'm in this riding, so that means that I need to be voting this way if I want to get this outcome. Like, it's enough to just look at what the parties are for Mm -hmm. and, you know, introspect a little bit about what you're for Mm -hmm. and try to match up with the one that you Mm -hmm. align with most closely. So Mm -hmm. I think that's how most people vote. Mm -hmm. The strategic voting thing, I think, is really designed for a pretty narrow slice of voters. Like the whole purpose of um, a party calling for people to vote strategically is to shave off a few percentage points from, Mm. you know, in this case, the NDP. Mm -hmm. So that's why we're hearing a lot about that right now. So you think that it's actually like usually not very effective in terms of it can be effective. It's just not a, you know, we, we hear a lot about it. There's lots of articles about it, but that message is designed for a pretty narrow segment mm. of the population. And when you think about it, strategic voting, if your top, even if your top priority is to prevent the conservatives from taking power and you don't care who else mm-hmm. forms the government, mm-hmm. all you care about is that Andrew Scheer doesn't become prime minister, mm-hmm. you can still only vote strategically in ridings where the conservatives and another party mm-hmm. are competitive with each other and the other party is, uh, you know, not, I guess, your top preference, right? Right. So if you're a, a Green Party voter and you're in a riding where the NDP and the conservatives are fighting it out... Mm-hmm. Um, and then liberals are telling you to vote strategically for liberals, well, that doesn't really apply to you, right? Right. I mean, a strategic vote in that riding would, of course, be voting for the NDP. Is, do, I wonder if those ridings exist, maybe in the north? I think there's probably ridings like that that exist. There's An also NDP there's some ridings that are four-way splits, too. Oh. So in that case, who do you vote for strategically? Yeah. Um, and, you know, in, in our riding, it's a mm-hmm. liberal NDP riding, mm-hmm. so... It doesn't matter which one you vote for. The conservative's not going to win either way. Right. Um, what What would you say to someone? Um, because I've had a couple people like say this very thing to me. Um, but what if I? What if like my vote for the NDP or the Green like splits the liberal support? Um, and like Trudeau doesn't get, you know, Trudeau doesn't get enough seats because of my riding, um, to form a minority government. So if you are in a riding where you're considering voting for a, for a party that's not likely to 
beat the conservatives Mm -hmm. in that Mm riding. And because of that vote, a conservative might win your Mm riding. Then you might be contributing to the conservatives winning Mm -hmm. because they might win that seat. Um, That's the argument that proponents of strategic voting make. But what you're talking about is people saying, I'm in a riding where the conservatives have no chance of winning, Mm -hmm. but I... If I don't vote for the liberals and the liberals might not get enough seats overall to form government. Mm -hmm. But then you would run into a situation where that seat, rather than going to the liberals, goes to the NDP or the Greens. Uh Who still have to support a liberal. Right. In which case they could, um, you know, either enter a coalition or some sort of other supply and confidence arrangement with the liberals Mm -hmm. in some sort of progressive Mm -hmm. uh, coalition. Mm -hmm. Right. I ultimately agree with you. I also think strategic voting is, like, such a cynical and, like, sad, like... Yeah, it's really annoying and obnoxious, I think, to tell people that you have to vote this way. Yeah. Um, Especially in the context of this government, which promised uh, to get rid of first-past-the-post. Oh, yeah, coming from, like, the liberals, Yeah, so I think it kind of rubs people the wrong way, um, Mm. rightly so. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, speaking of, uh, rubbing people a little wrong way, uh, we're going to talk about the Green Party platform from leader Elizabeth May, who really, really, uh, viscerally is not a fan of Justin Trudeau's, which we saw at the debate, uh, two Mondays ago, Mm. I think. Um, I felt like watching her, it was like, she was like, I'm so disappointed in you. You know, like when she was talking to Trudeau, it was Mm -hmm. like, like, and I wouldn't want to have like Elizabeth May say that to me. It'd be like your grandma saying like, you're a failure. Although, well, maybe Elizabeth May is also kind of annoying. (laughs) Um, yeah, I guess it depends on your take on Elizabeth May. Yeah. But I thought like that was a, like, I thought that was a good moment for her in the debate. Um, Mm. Anyway, that was just like a kind of inelegant way of segueing to the the platform. Yeah, they're never smooth. Um, <clears throat> sometimes they are. You mine, know. mine are never smooth. Yeah, Yours just like are. let's just be jagged and like blunt. Um, so what I wanted to do first was like read this pledge that the Green Party has made to transition to a green economy, okay. because. Um, I like the language a lot that they're using, and I think it's an interesting um, kind of uh, pledge they've made um, in terms of, like, the way they want to shift, like, priorities and values in Canada. And I think this is unique in terms of the party platforms. Like, none of the other ones have something like this. Okay. So... um, It says uh, the green economy, the key elements of a green economy are um, measuring well-being rather than gross domestic product as a sign of progress, which Mm. I really like personally, Um, embeds a conserver society or sorry, embeds conserver society values rather than consumer society values Mm. powered by. Don't love that. Um, we can get to that. Yeah, let's talk. Uh, I'll like asterisk that. Powered by renewable is powered by renewable energy, designed around closed loop production systems, which I don't know what that means Not at all. Me either. Um, who cares? <laughs> uh, organized for zero waste generation. We're not supposed to be experts. Yeah. Here. No, we're just we're just having a conversation, folks. Yeah. Um, 
organized for local food security, guarantees everyone a livable income, provides affordable housing for everyone, provides universal comprehensive health care and education, protects minorities from discrimination, ensures gender equality, builds community resilience and self-reliance, and ensures fair taxation and fiscal stewardship. Hmm. Now... Um, like, I know that these are, like, really nice flowery words and, like, they seem, like, really idealistic. Um, and, I mean, that is, like, half of the, like, actual content of party platforms, at least this election. Yeah. Um, but I really like the, like, laying out of a, this set of values, um, which are, which stand in direct contradiction to a lot of, like, the way the way a lot of economies are organized around the world. Um, so uh, thoughts generally on that, and then we can get to the conservers like with the specifics of the conserver society bit. Oh, sure. Well, okay. Well, yeah, no, I agree with you. I like the, the, they've kind of produced like a wish list for progressives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, that's positive. Like there was a long time when people, the green party was kind of like, uh, conservatives with bicycles is what people would call them. Oh my God. That's funny because they were, you know, we're fiscal conservatives, but we also care. We're environmentalists. This is when they were like in like 2004, 2006. Yeah. I mean, Elizabeth May has never really been of that breed, but there's definitely that segment within the green party or there used to be like the Ontario green party was very much of that. Really? Variety. I didn't know that. That's interesting. So they've obviously, they're, you know, shedding that entirely this Mm -hmm. is like a very um progressive mission statement i guess that they've outlined here Mm -hmm. um so okay talk to me about the conserver society versus the consumer society well i i mean we've had this discussion before but i just don't like this sure i mean i just don't like this um uh ethos i guess in the green world or ecosystem about degrowth and oh yes, like this kind of eco austerity mm-hmm. politics where we all have to uh, reduce consumption and go back to this more uh, you know primitive form of organizing our lives where we all you know paint and get all our food at farmers markets. Like I think if we're going to have a uh, a sustainable society and economy that delivers a better quality of life for poor people and working people, then that requires growth. Mm. And, um, I mean, there's nothing in, well, there's not a lot in the green platform that actually limits growth. Like a lot of the stuff that they do requires us to grow, Mm. building new clean energy and New train tracks and, and all this stuff requires cars. produces a lot of growth. Yeah. Um, Retrofitting buildings. even. Right. But it's still part, you, you can tell that it's still part of their yeah. uh, ideology. Mm, that's interesting. Um, I don't think we actually really need to go into that too much more. No, it's I, kind of in the weeds. I really do like that. It I just, I noticed it when you read it. I do think that it's something worth generally talking about, but especially since the platform doesn't really, um, like, take a lot of actions. It doesn't even, like, like, this is the only time that's mentioned. Yeah. And I don't know, 
uh, from what I saw, there wasn't a lot of like um, platform bits that um, spoke directly to that or like would actually uh, achieve that. As you said, like a lot of them require require uh, growth. Um, so that's the like kind of general mission statement. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Th- I like what the Green Party did with their platform because they made a lot of really bold policy proposals because they could. And honestly, like, I bet you that has to do with, like, why they're doing, like, relatively well mm-hmm. in the polls as to, like, before uh, mm-hmm. uh, in relation to how they were doing. Although declining. Yeah. I mean, I guess as a consequence of the NDP surge, um, maybe. It's like, probably a part of it. Um, but I am really interested. I mean, it's too bad that, like, they're so, like, they're doing so poorly because I would love, <clears throat> I, I personally, like, as a progressive, love this platform. Like, I, I like a lot of the ideas in here. I think it's kind of beautiful, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> uh, shout out to my mom, who I just sounded a lot like there. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's true. Yeah, so. Spooky. <laughs> ooh, Halloween. <laughs> It's happening. I'm going to dress up for my mom as Halloween. <laughs> um, so the green, so I, so the first like kind of, this is like one of the biggest pieces for the platform, which is the, they want to implement uh, something called like what they call a guaranteed livable income through the council of Canadian governments, which is uh, the provincial governments, I think. I guess I've never heard of it before. I think it's something that they would form. Anyway, um, they mentioned the provinces in a second. So I think that's it. Anyway, um, that will settle on a level of income for each province. Um, so this, uh, they insist is the first step towards eliminating poverty altogether. And I just want to read one more excerpt, um, because this is super important, um, and kind of speaks to, or could speak to the conservative past of the Green Party. So it says the guaranteed livable income will replace the conservative array of income supports. Sorry, not conservative. The GLI, the guaranteed livable income, will replace the current array of income supports, such as disability payments, social assistance, and income supplements for seniors. Building on the uh, MBM, which I don't know what that is. Building on the MBM? Yeah. Where does it say that? Right there. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, uh, payment would be set at a, quote, livable, unquote, level for different regions of the country. Oh, market basket measure. Oh, wow. That's the... That's a nerdy thing to know. Yeah, I know. It really is. It's the, like, the measure of poverty based on what you, uh, uh, what you can afford to live at a... A basic level like your groceries and stuff like that right um so this basically means that it would just be dynamic based on the region and the cost of living for that yeah, region right. which is awesome uh or seems awesome um given that they vary such a great amount mm-hmm. uh between uh cities and rural areas uh, in Canada, the negotiation to implement a livable income across the country would take place through the Council of Canadian Governments. Again, I think something that they're forming. Unlike existing income support programs, additional income would not be clawed back. Those earning above a certain total income would pay back the guaranteed livable income in taxes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so int- I'm interested in the fact that they used a the language guaranteed livable income rather than universal basic income. Um, I don't know if there's like a difference uh, between the two that you can speak to. Um, a and then B. Um, a lot of like the conservative arguments for a universal basic income or a, a guaranteed level income is that it makes government smaller mm-hmm. because um, you don't have to like give all these different like tax uh, cuts and um, benefits to different populations. You mm-hmm. can just like bring it all down to one the the one payment, which is the basic income. Yeah. Um, this is like all the detail they give on it also. Which, yeah, it's pretty light on detail. Which, um, and I mean, a lot of the platforms are, and this platform certainly is, but for this particularly, it being light on the details kind of scares me a little bit. Like, it's a really nice idea, but like it could also be kind, it could also be kind of nefarious uh, if it's, if it's going to ultimately result in for like the most vulnerable parts of our population, like, um, a decreased like amount of cash. Yeah. Well, I, I, that was not my reading of it Okay. because the, they do specify that there's a bunch of additional programs that would be, would not be replaced by this that you receive if you have like special needs or whatever. Oh really? Yeah. At, at one point in the platform, they, they specify that they say they're going to consolidate a bunch of things under this, but also replace it with or uh, keep a bunch of these supplementary things. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it doesn't really matter because the premise of the policy, at least my reading of it, is that they want to give people enough income so that nobody is below the the poverty line mm-hmm. or the low income measurement line, I guess. Which is a dynamic line. Uh, which it, for it, them, it's a dynamic. It's prevent. It's varies from from province to province not just province to province but locality to locality even yeah, yeah. so they measure this in i guess they are proposing some more uh, nuanced measurement of it but you can get like kind of a ballpark of what sort of numbers we're looking at by looking at the way that stats can measures this now and their mm-hmm. cutoff is around twenty thousand dollars for one person mm-hmm. um so i mean if you're going to give twenty thousand dollars to Every adult in Canada, there's around 30 million adults. Um, you know, that's uh, over $600 billion, which is, uh, you know, our current annual budget is around $350 billion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I like that they have this idea in their platform as something aspirational. Um, and the entire green platform is aspirational because they're never going to have to implement any of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it kind of, sp- I don't know, it kind of bothers me that the platform and the Green Party as a whole is just kind of unserious about a lot of these things. That's like, a good point. You can come up with ways to pay for um, a universal basic income. Like seizing all capital income, for example. Well, sure. <laughs> I mean, that would be very amongst, radical. But amongst like, others. You could, it, it, there, um, there is not a way, they don't have a way to pay for this. Well, they like, haven't even talked about it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, I That's mean, true. if you came along, if you put out a platform that said, well, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to take, you know, 20% of all the shares and corporations and put them in a fund and then pay out 
the dividends of the fund to everyone as a basic income, and it's going to grow to X amount mm-hmm. by this year, mm-hmm. that would be a very reasonable proposal mm-hmm. that you could like argue the merits of. Mm-hmm. But this is just kind of saying, well, we're going to do this thing, which um, is going to cost twice our entire budget. So it's basically never going to happen. Thank you so much for our TED, for coming to our TED Talk. Yeah, and it's like, well, I don't know. How, how do you even assess whether that's a good idea or not? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Although I bet that a lot of people, like, reading this, like, wouldn't maybe have the time or the background, like, the in, the knowledge background to, like, look into, like, oh, how are you going to pay for that? Like, they wouldn't even, they wouldn't have even done the math that you just did. Yeah, but it's not even a question of how are you going to pay for it. It's, like, what is it? Is mm-hmm. it a $20,000 Right. Like check that we write to everyone and this is every a, year. And this is unfortunately a theme that like c- comes up a bunch. Yeah, um, I noticed that too. Which is really unfortunate because they have like the most extensive plan for like indigenous populations. But so much of it is just like uh, like statements without any details right. of how. Right. Um, uh, we'll get to And that. I would almost prefer like. Give me five things that, like, yeah. are serious. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll move on here. Um, uh, the For housing, um, they would create more housing, uh, introduce uh, incentives to build housing, and incentives to build energy-efficient housing uh, units. So they would declare housing as a human right. Um, which like, I don't really know what daddy would even do like in can like that in and of itself. Like, does that have any actionable kind of, it would allow people to file lawsuits legally. Yeah. Would they actually legally would does declaring housing as a human right? Like, does that mean they would put it in the, like the, um, I don't know, like in legislation though. Like, oh, I assume you could so. declare it like on Twitter. <laughs> I assume they would like pass a law saying that everyone has the right to a house and like Right. I guess that would create some grounds to sue the government <laughs> if you couldn't afford a house. Right. Okay. Anyway. I'm not a lawyer. Uh, no. I <laughs> yeah, legal stuff. <laughs> um uh, they would build 25,000 new and 15,000 rehabilitated units annually for the next 10 years. Got to build more than that. Yeah. Um this is on top of promises to increase incentives to build rental units, affordable housing, and energy-efficient housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd re- em- eliminate the first-time homebuyer grant. I think uh, basically, uh, you know, under the excuse that, like, everyone will, like, as a baseline, like, have more money now. But I don't know. Right. Um, that makes sense. Um, in terms of, uh, in addition to like the guaranteed livable income, they would establish a federal minimum wage of $15 an hour while working with municipalities and stats Canada to set wages according to the cost of living in each locality. Um, so like that seems good, but also kind of contradictory, like a federal minimum wage, like everyone gets $15 an hour, I guess. And then. And then, like, there are special minimum wages for, like, different cities that are more expensive to live in. That's, like, a direct quote from the... Yeah, I don't really understand that. Yeah. 
Okay, great. Skip it. <laughs> Thank you so much, <laughs> Elizabeth May. We're doing great. Uh, okay, and here is like a great example of what Taylor you were talking about before about like the non-seriousness of this. They have uh, this like promise about childcare, which is literally like they give no details except Canada mm. must dedicate additional resources to making a universal, affordable, uh, and early learning uh, childcare system a reality. So, uh, and they say the same thing for ch- uh, childcare generally, not just early uh, early learning uh, childcare. So, like all children that need supervision should have like universal care um but they have no timeline for it and it really seems like they're just paying lip service to it which i just like i don't know this is like a trend in like all in in all party platforms of course it just um it just seems like extra not serious when you don't have like a timeline or like a budget for it yeah it kind of sounds like a liberal platform yeah, we want to work towards. We want to have a collaborative <laughs> process yeah. to establish a timetable upon which we will make a decision with regards to the <laughs> we'll, recommendations of the committee on the matter. We'll but construct it, a panel of experts. Yeah, we bl- love to a construct a blue ribbon commission. Yeah, we love to construct expert panels. Yeah, I don't know. You kind of have to ask why even bother having something like this. Why even bother having child universal child care? No, or why, like why bother putting it in your platform? I don't... Like, I think they were trying to show that they are not just about the climate, mm-hmm. but, I if mean... If it's so unserious... Why not just be about the climate mm-hmm. and associated things that are associated with the climate, like building new houses that are energy efficient mm-hmm. are associated with the climate. Mm-hmm. Although I wonder, like, what... I wonder, like, if pe- when people read that, like, if they're like, oh, universal child care. Or if they just tune out because, like, there's all this. Okay, so the promise for, I just want to read this because, it, like, it takes so much just to get to this tiny sentence or this tiny clause about universal child care. A green government will collaborate with provinces slash territories, local communities, indigenous communities, and the child care sector to ensure that a comprehensive short, medium, and long-term policy roadmap based on the principles of universality, affordability, Quality, inclusivity, and equity finally becomes a reality. Like that clause yeah. about universal childcare, it's like. Who knows what the fuck that means? Uh, like. Anyway, uh, like I don't know if like I wasn't reading this closely that I would have been like, oh, they want to work towards universal childcare. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, so it speaks to your point about like why you even put it in. All right. So obviously on the environment, like they're. Uh, this is like their biggest issue. They have like a big, extensive, um, like lengthy, like that actually uh, part of their platform that actually could be cut down to a lot less words. Um, honestly, for a lot of this stuff, it really seems like they're trying to hide things in the words. Um, yeah. <laughs> even for even for the environmental stuff. So uh, they want to cut emissions by sixty percent by twenty thirty, which actually seems like kind of not very bold for the green party no it's really bold is it like you just did an interview on uh the north 99 election podcast which everyone should listen to and subscribe to um with robin what's his last name robin edger robin edger from the canadian 
Association of Physicians for the Environment. Yeah. Um, uh, so he gave like a lot of details on stuff like this. What t- talk about like for briefly like what sixty percent? Well, the most, the most means. that anyone, the most emissions have ever gone down on a like year to year basis uh, was ten percent after in the midst of the Great Depression. And the most that's ever gone down in like a planned way mm-hmm. was I think uh, France brought their emissions down by like four percent a year, while they basically shifted their entire electrical grid. I think eighty percent of it to nuclear. Wow. Okay. So, this is much more aggressive than right. the fastest that anyone has ever done this. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty am- ambitious. Okay. Uh, part of the way that they would achieve this is by banning non-electric cars by 2030 all all elect- non-electric cars by 2030 uh a complete moratorium on fossil fuel extraction uh canceling the trans mountain pipeline although i mean that kind of indirectly affects emissions but like the pipeline itself doesn't produce emissions um do 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 uh seeing a quote just transition unquote for workers as they're moved into green economic sectors which again like you could so easily as the green party you could so easily like cost this and be like transition like uh like retrain and transition all like oil and gas workers to green like tech companies Mm -hmm. or like green energy Mm -hmm. companies um and like pay them all a salary of like like i don't know i just this like I just find this, like, uh, I find this frustrating, like, this, like, lack of detail. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want a lot of detail. Although uh, they had more detail than the other parties, arguably. On the on the climate? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, on this, like, one thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, much stricter regulation on the use of pesticides. They want to implement a national safe drinking water strategy. Um they want to ban all single-use plastics by 2022, which is which is very ambitious. Um, they would make like polluters and say so they would make um, like manufacturing companies and um, packaging companies like pay for waste, um, and they would expand protections of land and water uh, to at least 30 percent by 2030. Mm. I have I have no idea what that last one like what it is like relative to like the rest of me either, but ultimately. Um, ultimately, like, obviously, like, the Green Party is, like, the best on the climate, like... They definitely have the most ambitious plan, although the one thing that I don't like about the Green Party is that they are pretty hostile to (laughs) nuclear energy, Mm. which, you know, if you want to hit those targets, is probably necessary. On almost every... On almost every... Uh, policy promise like uh, from healthcare to um, cl- climate change to like to the environment um, indigenous like people are mentioned a lot mm. like throughout the whole platform and I would say like having now read all the party platforms it's the most ambitious and uh, and committed to like the Truth and Reconciliation Commission they promise to give uh, well it's not that good because they're not going to win um, they uh, uh, promise to give indigenous nations 
quote, an equal seat at the policymaking table. They'll end drinking water and boil water advisories by investing and upgrading uh, critical infrastructure to ensure safe water across every community. Uh, they'll improve security and uh, food security in northern communities. I thought this was kind of interesting by consulting with residents on Arctic farming. That's hmm. cool. Working because uh, food cost in northern communities is unbelievable. Yeah, uh, that's a really big problem. Uh, working with nonprofit groups to uh, build greenhouses or hydroponic towers and funding education programs in nutrition and horticulture. I like the Arctic farming. I that think. sounds cool. Yeah. Also, that sounds like the future because we're all going to have to go to the Arctic. Yeah, but then it won't be cold. Right. So. That's true. Or it'll be water because mm. some of it's ice. Yeah, I don't really know how that plays out. Mm, hopefully we can um, not burn in a fiery death and then tidy that up later. Uh, they will honor the Canadian Human Rights Tribunal ruling to compensate every child who was taken from their home on reserve. Mm -hmm. They'll, um, which is like uh, huge. Like I think the these ch uh, children, now adults, are like eligible for like 40,000 Canadian dollars. Mm. Um, they'll enact the UN declaration, which is actually not a lot of money considering like you ruined their whole life. But anyway, uh, they'll enact the UN declaration of the in rights of indigenous peoples. Um, and I thought the next two were like really good examples of like the way that like, there's just a lot of like detail lacking and they pay lip service to a lot of things, but the how is not really there. Uh, they'll support and sustain the transmission, proliferation and regeneration of indigenous cultural works and languages. It's like, okay, cool, great. Um, educate non-indigenous Canadians on the histories, customs, traditions, and cultures of the First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples of Turtle Island. So this one would be so easy to provide, like, um, like a detail for. Like, <laughs> like, you could just be, like, create, like, create a, um, uh, curriculum of, like, indigenous history and like disseminate it to all the provinces like the how on that would be so easy but there anyway <sighs> idiots <laughs> everyone's an idiot <laughs> okay we're almost done here uh well they will implement the findings of both the truth and reconciliation commission and the inquiry into missing and murdered indigenous women and girls they would also dismantle the indian act um mm -hmm. which is a really good thing uh, the Indian Act uses race-based criteria to define who is and who is not an Indian and infringes on the right of First Nations people to define themselves. Mm. Uh, the Greens will also support Indigenous people's work and efforts towards self-determination to ensure no one is left behind or excluded from their rightful heritage while dismantling dismantling the Indian Act uh, will be a complex exercise in Indigenous people in which Indigenous people have the deciding role, they will establish processes for self-governing Indigenous peoples and nations who choose to, quote, opt out of the Indian Act. Hmm. So this is, like, I, I this is an important piece of policy, I think, because, like, a lot of people have difficulty accessing, like, benefits from the government that they are, um, they, um, are, have a right to because, like, of a certain arrangement of their Indian, of their, uh, indigenous heritage. So like if your mom is, if you're, if it doesn't go down your dad's or your mom's bloodline, like you can't 
you're not an indigenous person. So hmm. there's like a lot of, I think this one is a good thing. Okay. Um, they'll introduce and implement uh, indigenous lands and treaties tribunal act to decide on specific land claims, ensuring that treaty negotiations are conducted and financed fairly and that treaty negotiations and claims re uh, resolutions do not result in the extinguishment of Aboriginal and treaty rights. <sighs> that was a lot, but mm. um, they do have a lot on this. I, I'm always a little skeptical of all, like all this indigenous promises stuff because like people like I I mean I the Greens aren't gonna win anyway but Trudeau promised a lot on the indigenous front and then like built a pipeline through indigenous territory mm. so like it just feels like lip service again mm. but Elizabeth May is not gonna be in power so it'll be fine yeah okay not my area of expertise last two these are these are interesting and fun ones. Um, on healthcare, they'll expand pharmacare to every Canadian with a year. And they costed this. They are the largest, they're the party that's going to make the largest pharmacare investment, which is cool. That's good. Um, they'll rearrange how Ottawa decides the amount of money for healthcare. This is really interesting. Um, transferred to the provinces by basing the criteria on demographics and healthcare needs in each province, replacing the current formula, which is based on GDP growth. Hmm which was introduced by the Harper government and, and retained by the liberals. I don't know anything about this, but if this means what I think it means, it's kind of... What do you think it means? Like, not... Whoa. <laughs> um, it, it seems like it means, like, if you don't have a lot of GDP growth, then you get more healthcare funding, or if you have more GD, GDP growth, you get you get more healthcare funding. Oh, I like. Don't know. Doesn't that seem like really weird though? GDP, like I mean, their idea sounds better. The green idea. Yeah. Yeah, Taylor endorses the green idea. Yeah, uh, it's the first I'm hearing about yeah. it. But. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, they'll uh, and on healthcare, they'll implement findings of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission within healthcare uh, to help integrate traditional healing practices into Indigenous community healthcare services. Okay. Um. Cool. They uh, they also uh, promise to include like indigenous access to healthcare, which is a big problem. Um, we have friends who work as doctors in northern Ontario, and like some people like have to travel like a really far way to get to the hospital. Mm, that's true. Um, prom they promise to shorten drug patent protection periods, expand safe abortion clinics. And end for-profit blood collection, which I didn't know was a thing in Canada. Mm. Is that a thing? Yeah. Well, you can sell. I don't think you can sell your blood, but you can sell your plasma. Oh. Oh, right. You know. Yeah. You know a bit about that. Um, they would also expand mental health and suicide prevention services. Um, on on the opioid crisis, they would declare it a national health emergency, which is uh, like I think the only like rational response to this fucking mm -hmm. horrible thing that's yep. happening. Uh, they'll invest in more supervised consumption sites in order to reduce harm, which is good. Um, they'll treat it as a healthcare issue and not a criminal one. They will, they also stress that uh, drug possession should be decriminalized. 
which will ensure people can access a screen supply, or no, they will ensure people can access a screen supply if necessary. Uh, the Greens also want to increase funding to local organizations to test drugs while making naloxone a drug that reverses uh, overdoses more available. So this is really interesting because, uh, like, a lot of people, like, a lot of young people, like, will do, like, hard drugs that could be laced with, like, really harmful substances like fentanyl. Um, and even though, like, they are aware that, you know, they could be, like, dangerous. Some of them, actually, most of them aren't. Like, I feel like a lot of people don't really know about this. But anyway, this, like, I don't know, testing, testing drugs is, like, a good, good move. Decriminalizing sounds, sounds like possession. Yeah. yeah, I'm for that. Um, they will, uh lower cannabis prices to compete with illegal sellers of weed and allow CBD oil to be produced and sold as a natural health Oh, product. I strongly support yeah. that. <laughs> I care a lot about that, actually. That's uh, a great idea. And they'll remove sales tax on... It's not the on, same. They'll remove sales tax on medical cannabis products. It isn't the I same. I don't agree with that. I think we should increase the taxes on weed. And on alcohol? We already have. I don't know what the taxes are like on alcohol. Mm. I think we. I don't know. Well, anyway. You know what I mean, though. People aren't buying illegal weed because it's cheaper. It's because it's like either better quality, or they can get the like product types that they can't get. Mm, yeah. Legally. Wait. So you. So like you don't go. So that's why you support higher taxes on weed. Well, I support higher taxes generally, but. Uh-huh. You don't go to a like a moonshine distillery to buy alcohol because you save like five bucks because there's no tax on it. You just go to the LCBO. You don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, not probably not the most important issue in here. Well, I mean, CBD <laughs> oil is CBD oil is very important. really yeah. important. <laughs> um, okay, so this is like the last section. Um, they want to eliminate tuition fees and forgive all ex- existing student debt, yeah, that's which is a good, that's 10 a good out of policy. 10 idea. Good policy. Uh, they promise to ensure universal access to post-secondary education by redirecting existing spending on bursaries, tuition tax credits, saved costs of, admi- uh, cost of administering the student loan system, and the hundreds of millions of dollars of student loan defaults written off every year. The federal government would also give provinces more money every year to fund post-secondary schools. Mm, this one like actually seems like one they thought through and like seriously costed. Yeah, that one sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Um one thing about like uh free tuition is like uh I feel like a lot of people don't like really think about this, but like most a lot of p- young people don't go to school because they don't want to like get into student debt. I I feel like this goes b- between you and me it obviously goes without saying, but like I think some people um you know choose to not like opt out of post-secondary education because they can't afford it or they don't yeah. want to like be melting under yeah. the heat of student debt. No, people have a lot of student debt. Yeah. Even in Canada, which yeah. where we have like a, like a relatively cheaper like education, uh, post-secondary education system than the yeah. U.S. And they're better than the NDP on this. The NDP just want to get rid of the interest that's and they walked accrued it back. on student debt. They walked it back. Like they, they were originally wa- wanting to cancel all uh, student debt. Oh yeah. And eliminate tuition. Yeah. That was the original campaign promise. And then they walked it back, oh. which is like extremely disappointing. Yeah. Like who, who are you trying to, 
what is your audience? Yeah, I don't know. I think Jugme's getting some bad advice sometimes. Yeah. Although I liked his TikTok video today. Nice work, Jugmeat. Um, this one I just wanted to mention before we kind of wrap up here is that they would reform sex work laws in Canada. Um, they would make sex trade, uh, the sex trade legal. Um, uh, and, uh, with the, uh, in an effort to like, uh, make sex workers more safe, um, which is pretty progressive and totally and cool. Yeah. Um, too bad it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I feel like their role is kind of to introduce these ideas into the discourse, but mm. I, they have so much going on mm. in their platform this campaign that I'm not sure that they've been really successful in doing that. Yeah, that's true. They need, um, although like I know that Bernie Sanders doesn't like have as much going on, but he has like quite a few things that he wants to do and like he's able to articulate them in like, he could be president. Yeah, I know. I'm saying, I'm saying it's possible to like have like a pretty good amount of like promises, but like distill them down in like, you know, a two minute bit and Mm -hmm. like, you know. Yeah. Elizabeth May doesn't she's not good at doing that. No, she really can't. No. Actually none of them really are. But she is especially yeah. bad. I mean Andrew Shear, like we really know that he doesn't like the carbon tax. We really know that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well I think that's uh that's all. That's all we have on the okay. Elizabeth May pr- platform. Okay. The Green Party platform. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh Taylor. It feels really weird to do this, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, yeah. So nice. No, I'm, so yeah, nice for me. It's great to be here in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, this will come out tomorrow, Friday, the uh, 18th of October. You'll have the weekend to binge listen and then hit the polls with your decision on uh, the 21st of October. So um, send us your questions uh, in Instagram DMs or Twitter. Um We'd love to talk to you uh, and see you next time on Undecided. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.